Let's get ready to study God's Word. Greetings to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and it's time for another devotional study. Please be sure to visit the page for our channel, biblestudy.asbzone.com, where you can find links to some Bible study resources and all of our previous episodes. Let's have a word of prayer before we begin this study. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the privilege we have of studying together like this. We invite your presence to be with us, and we ask that you'll help us to rightly divide your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's study is entitled, Godly Sorrow, True Repentance. Godly Sorrow, True Repentance. And our passage is found in 2 Corinthians 7, 9 and 10. Now I rejoice, not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance, for ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. 2 Corinthians 7, 9 and 10. Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of. What does that mean? Godly sorrow, true sorrow, is a sorrow for sin. Not for the consequences of sin, but for the fact that sin actually exists, that we have sinned, that we have embarrassed the Lord, that we have gone against his law, that we have rebelled against him. A lot of times when we're sorry, we're sorry because we were caught. We're sorry because we were caught and there was a penalty. We see it all the time. We notice it very easily in others, right? We notice when politicians are caught and the statement they make indicates, well, let me just say the right thing and see how long it will take before this stuff blows over. But we don't tend to notice it as, as readily in our own lives, in our own experience. Let's take two people in the Bible as an example. Similar circumstance. Peter and Judas. Both Peter and Judas were involved in a betrayal of Christ. Different, slightly different betrayal, but it was still a betrayal. Okay? In the one case, Judas took money to betray Christ's location, you know, to betray access to Christ, to his enemies. In the other case, Peter fearing for his life, 
denied any existence, any association with Christ. Right? Peter, fearing for his life, denied any association with Christ. You could say most people will sympathize with Peter's position a little bit because he did it mostly out of self-interest, but so did Judas, right? Peter was afraid for his life. Judas was looking for some money, and uh, and both of them took a course of action. Yeah, we we respect the concept of fear for the life more, but it didn't make it any more righteous, okay? It still needed to be forgiven. Not only that, Judas thought he was being smart. Judas felt as though putting Jesus in a corner like this would force him to manifest his power, right? Because remember, there were multiple times that, that the people had tried to kill Jesus, and Jesus had always escaped. So Judas figured, I can make money on this. He can escape. He'll realize what I've been telling him, that he really needs to, to you know, set up his kingdom and stop playing around. And he'll thank me for that great advice by making me a top ruler in his cabinet. So Judas had this all worked out. But either way, no matter how you look at it, they were both a form of betrayal. Now, when Judas realizes that Jesus is not going to free himself, Judas feels terribly guilty for what he has done. And he goes in and he throws the money down and says, I have betrayed innocent blood. And the Pharisees are like, yeah, whatever. We got what we wanted. I ain't got nothing to do with us. But Judas was afraid of what, of the penalty. It was guilt and shame that drove him to make his confession. But he was only upset about being caught. Because here's the thing. The statement he makes is true whether Jesus escapes or not. I have betrayed innocent blood. Yeah, he, he would have betrayed Christ. He had betrayed Christ. And had Christ escaped from it, it would have been no less true that he had betrayed someone who was innocent. The idea was that Jesus would have escaped from them and therefore he would have paid no consequence. There would have been no consequence for Christ and therefore no consequence for Judas. At least that's how Judas had it mapped out. Peter, on the other hand, after he betrayed Christ that third time and looked up and saw Christ looking at him, Peter went to the Garden of Gethsemane and wept bitterly. Peter was upset at what he had done. Peter wasn't upset at what had resulted. That was not the... Um, shouldn't say he wasn't upset about that. That was not what drove him out there. What drove him out there was the realization of the stance he had taken. Right? Judas is only concerned about the fact that the plan has gone south and now Jesus is going to perish and it has his fingerprints all over it. Peter doesn't have that same quandary in the sense that nothing that Peter did made Jesus' situation worse 
from a physical standpoint, right? Nothing that Peter said made Jesus punishment, you know, made them punish Jesus more. There was nothing of that sort. What Peter recognizes is that Jesus still loves him and that someone who has loved him and worked with him for three and a half years, he's just pretty much abandoned out of fear of his own life. And that thought about how Peter had behaved caused Peter to go to the Garden of Gethsemane and weep and pray. On the other hand, Judas was only concerned about how this whole scenario was playing out. And when it started to look badly, and and he was going to be the one all over it, he wept. But again, his weeping was about being caught, and he went out and hanged himself. He could not live with the result of what had happened. But he wasn't sorry for the choices he had made. He was sorry that it didn't work out. The Bible gives us another example of someone who went down a similar path. In Hebrews 12, the original story is in, is in Genesis, but in Hebrew 12, the Apostle Paul says the following, and we're going to read it from verse 14 because we want to get the whole sentence or two. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person, as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Verse 17 is, is quite interesting. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. And this is referring to that point where he went out to make the food for his father and Jacob came and stole the birthright by tricking the father in his in what he was wearing and, and the mother making his soup for him, venison, his meal. And he uh, and he came back and he said, is there not a blessing for me, father? Is there not a blessing for me? He was so frustrated that this thing had been lost. But again, he wasn't frustrated about what he had done, right? Because that's what, that's what they're separating here in this passage. In verse 16, Esau, the profane person, for one meal, he sold his birthright. He sold it. As much as Jacob stole it later, Esau had technically already sold it and was quite content with that. Time passed and he was okay. It was the consequence of losing it. It was the consequence of not getting that preferred blessing. Esau didn't care about 
the spiritual side of the blessing at all. But he certainly wanted the land. He certainly wanted the physical elements of the blessing. And so the birthright, selling that away, you know, his argument was, eh, if I die, what's the birthright to me? And I give me the food, I'll give you the birthright. Okay, so he sold it. But now when it comes time to get the blessing and he realizes that he missed the blessing, he cried about that. He did not cry about the decision that he had made, about the choice that he had made, about the profanity of selling that special privilege that he had as the firstborn. And here Paul says he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Yeah, he didn't find repentance because he was repenting about the wrong thing. Godly sorrow, the sorrow that Paul, that Peter had, godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation that you don't have to repent of subsequently. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. When your concern is for what you have lost rather than what you have done, that is the pathway to death. And it either leads to death in the relative short term, as it did with Judas, or it just puts you on a path of of rebellion from God, which leads ultimately to death. What we want is to be sorry after a godly manner. We want godly sorrow. When we sin, when we fall short, when we recognize that we have not obeyed what God asks us to do, we've either done things that we shouldn't or we failed to do things that we should, we've spoken out of turn or we've been silent inappropriately, Whatever the manner of sin, whether it be commission or omission, whether it be in thought, in word, or deed, when we recognize that we are in that place, we should be sorry for what we have done and not sorry for what it has or will or might do to us. We should be sorry that we were in rebellion and that we were stubborn and that we were disrespectful or ungrateful or unfaithful. Our sorrow should not be anchored in, now I'm not going to get X, or now I'm going to get Y punishment, or now, right? What is going to happen to us or what we're going to lose or what we're going to miss should not be the underlying motive of our sorrow because that's not godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is, Lord, I have disappointed you, I have rebelled against you, I have sinned against you, and I'm sorry for that, even if nothing else happens that's bad. I'm sorry because of what I've done, what I've said, what I've failed to do that I should have. Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation that does not need to be repented of right? It worketh. True repentance leads to true conversion, which leads to true commitment. Many times 
the reason we fall so frequently is because our repentance is enfeebled because it is based on our consequences and our loss and not based on a sorrow for the actual sin itself. Because if we were sorry for sin, it would cause us to avoid that sin. Would cause us to avoid that sin. But as long as we're only sorry for the consequences and we can manage to keep the percentage of consequences down to something below 100%, then we're probably going to continue in the path of the sorrow of the world that worketh to death. We don't want that. We want peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. That is where we need to be. Sorrow of the world worketh death. We want nothing of the sort. We want godly sorrow with true repentance. That's my prayer for us today. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the instruction contained therein. We ask you to help us that we will be sorry for sin, not merely for its consequences. We ask you to help us that our sorrow will be godly sorrow that worketh to repentance, true repentance that doesn't need to be repented of. Please forgive us of our sins. Forgive us for crucifying our Savior anew and afresh and help us to hate sin just as you hate sin. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. Remember, you can find Rightly Divide the Word of Truth on Pandora, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you normally obtain your podcasts. Also be sure to check out the True Wisdom podcast, which I co-host with my brother. Please feel free to contact us via email at biblequestions at asbzone.com. Whether you have questions, comments, suggestions, or concerns, we look forward to hearing from you. If you're being blessed by these podcast channels, please take the time to share them with others. And always keep our ministries in your prayers. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you prayerfully study His Word. Thank you.